Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you as we come together to bring our worship to God. Uh, Just one or two announcements for us this morning before we commence our time of worship. Uh, Just for the week ahead, to remind you of the midweek Bible study on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. And then on, sorry, that's the 2nd of March, um, Wednesday. And then Thursday, the GB meet um, from 6.30, and on Friday, the BB from 6.30 as well. Next Sunday, God willing, Reverend Bob Allily will be our preacher on Sunday morning. Um, And then on Sunday evening, we have a a mission rally. We We usually have one in the presbytery every year, but with COVID, we hadn't one last year. But now that's meeting in this part of the presbytery in 3rd Raffer Island, just down the road. Uh, So I trust to be there. Uh, I'm the incoming moderator of presbytery, so uh, I'll be summoned uh, to be there to take part anyway. But it'll be lovely uh, to be in 3rd and to be involved in the rally. I'm at a similar rally tonight in New Mills uh, with Scarva Street. And so next week I'll be in Raffer Island here with you as well. So please do come along um, next Sunday evening to 3rd for the Mission Rally. The moderator himself will be there to lead our worship as well. Uh, Just to remind you too, every Sunday morning in the Minor Hall, we have our prayer meeting at 11 o'clock and everyone is welcome. Friends, we come to lift our voices in praise to God. We sing our opening praise Number 729 in Mission Praise, we have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. Friends, we draw near to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, each Lord's Day, we rejoice in the freedoms you give to us. We marvel at how you have made us, making us the pinnacle of your creation, made in your image. We thank you for all the faculties you give to us. 
and the ability that we can come along on the Lord's day and meet in this place to gather in this house to worship you. We pray, O God, that by your Spirit you will help us to focus mind and heart upon the Lord. You are infinitely greater than we can think or imagine. And yet what you have revealed of yourself in the Scriptures and the signs round about in the world in which we live, Lord, we marvel at your greatness, at your glory. But Lord, more than that, we marvel at your mercy and your grace. Despite what we know we are in heart, you still love us. You know our sin and you see it infinitely more clearly than we do. And yet, O oh Lord, you don't turn from us. And how we prize and bless you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our saviour. He whose name is above every name. And he before whom we bow today gladly. Knowing that in the end of time. All people will bow. And confess that he is Lord. Father. Move upon us by your spirit today. Help us as we think. Help us as we look into our own hearts for response to you. And Lord, bless us deep in the soul. That having met with the Lord in this place. Having shared fellowship with one another. That we might know the richness of blessing. The Lord ministering to his people and doing us good. Father, you teach us when we pray to openly declare and confess our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for all that is wrong, not only in word and deed, but in thought and motive. Lord, forgive us. And by your spirit, help us to be better for you. And in all these things, O Lord, may you have praise, honor, and glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Boys and girls, last time I was with you, I brought my guitar I wasn't going to bring it this week. I was going to show you something, but then I thought I would bring it. Um, I'm sure, boys and girls, like everyone else, you've been thinking um, about the country of Ukraine in this past week and how so many of the people there are, are being very, very brave um, in the face of, of great opposition. And uh, I'm not going to speak about that to you this morning but I will refer to a little bit in prayer later on. But I thought I'd take you back to my own uh, childhood when I was uh, a wee boy in my home church in Belfast. Our minister, he loved uh, what was the first hymn in our hymn book. We sang it uh, usually every month. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our songs will rise to thee. Now I'm sure you may have heard that. I know the older folk uh, will, have, will know that hymn really well. Uh, and when you're young, you hear things in church and you sometimes don't know what they mean or you can't remember them. But it's so important to keep coming to church because just as lots of drops of water eventually make a puddle, uh, as we keep coming to church, we learn more and more and we take in things we maybe don't really understand or know. Now, I know now that this first hymn, Holy, 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 was taken from Revelation chapter 4. And in that picture of heaven, not only are the angels around God's throne praising him, 
But every Christian is there. Every boy and girl and older person who's come to Christ through faith is pictured there in heaven. And the picture of the throne of God is, around it is a glassy sea. Now, if you think of glass, maybe a glass table, you can look right through it and you can see what's underneath. There's no confusion, nothing's hidden, everything's true and open. And that's the picture of heaven. Nothing's hidden, nothing's confusing, um, everything is clear and perfect. And there's the picture there of God's people casting their crowns before the throne. Now what that means is that no matter what we do on earth, no matter what we achieve for God, in heaven, when we see God as he is, we want to give everything back to him, that all the glory goes to Jesus. So you learn a hymn when you're young, and you maybe don't know what it means. But when you have the words in your head, sometimes it clicks and we understand what those words mean. So keep coming, keep listening, keep learning. So I had the guitar probably just about maybe six months ago. I was just playing in the study and I thought I would put a little arrangement to Holy, Holy, Holy. And so when I did that, I found I couldn't reach the high notes. Uh, because my voice, I'm getting older, and I can't get the high notes, get the low notes fine, but not the high notes. So I changed the tune um, a little bit. So you'll recognize the tune perhaps, but it is slightly different. It's maybe not overly singable because I should have put my own sort of timing to things. But um, think of the words, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then I thought just to play a little psalm. Um, this was a tune uh, I wrote maybe about three years ago. Um, it's Psalm 8. Uh, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
There are two great truths in this psalm. One especially for boys and girls. Because from the lips of children and infants, God has ordained or chosen to be praised. So while we all join together as a church family, it's not only the adults, but God looks for praise from boys and girls, from our minds and our hearts and our lips to tell God that we love him. So put this little tune together for Psalm 8. Oh, the second bit about the psalm is that God gives mankind um, all that we need to live on this earth. He provides for all our, our, our good things. Majestic is your name in all the earth, your glory higher than the sky. From children's lips, you have chosen to be praised, to silence all your have a wee prayer together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as boys and girls when we're young, we can learn so many things in church. At times, Lord, things we don't maybe understand. But help us to learn our hymns and our choruses. Help us to learn our Bible passages. Help us to learn the wonderful stories in the Bible. We pray that, Lord, as we grow up, you'll help us to remember these things and we'll understand them more fully. We thank you that in the middle of the Bible, in the book of Psalms, you teach us that you have ordained praise, you've chosen to be praised by boys and girls. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek to honor you, to love you from our hearts, to praise you with our lips, that will do so to your honor. Lord, bless our boys and girls today, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Friends, we find our reading this morning in Acts chapter 2 and reading from verse 22. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Just before we read, we're conscious that God is sovereign. He is uh, in control of all things. And despite what may happen in our world today, we know that God uh, hems in behind and before all things. That where things are good, he is promoting and blessing. When things are evil, he keeps that evil in check. And he will bring his ultimate judgment on all that is wrong one day. And so we have confidence in God, whether days appear bright or dark. Here we have the the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit has come on the day of Pentecost. And Peter and the disciples and the believers are in the streets of Jerusalem. And the message of the gospel is being spoken. And here we read in Acts 2 at 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then reading from verse 33. Uh, Verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Ending there at verse 39. Friends, as we come to pray this morning, uh, I'm sure Ukraine is very much in our our thoughts. um, And I thought just to pray sort of slowly through uh, specific prayer requests so that we can all just in our own hearts focus on them. Very often when we pray in what we call our prayers of intercession, uh, there's a familiarity in what we're doing, uh, remembering Activities in the church, remembering folk who who are sick or in need. And we maybe don't have to think terribly much. We're we're very much attuned to that. So I thought just to remember Ukraine today, we just spend a little time just with a few simple, uh, slow, thoughtful prayer requests. Let's come to God as we pray. Oh, sorry. Yes, Children for Children's Church. Sorry, I missed that. Yes, do you? (laughs) Thank you for speaking up. great to hear their wee excited voices. We have a little girl who had, had COVID, was very ill. She's just about four in our, our, our congregation. And um, she goes to Bali and things like that. Um, but she can miss Bali, but she can't miss Sunday school. 
and she can't miss church. So it's great to have the wee enthusiastic voices. Uh, Let's come to God as we pray. Father, we know that you reign from the glory of heaven. We know that there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. We know that your eternal power and your wonderful purposes will be revealed and will be brought to pass. And so, Lord, we bow together to remember a country very much under threat today. And Lord, in the simplicity of our praying, we ask that you might hear and be merciful and answer the prayers of our hearts. Lord, we pray for the sovereign nation of Ukraine, that they will remain a sovereign nation able to elect their own leaders and representatives. Lord, we pray for President Zelensky and his family and those close colleagues who so support him that they will be kept safe, that they will have a sense of peace in the midst of tumult. We pray, O God, for the Ukrainian army outnumbered by forces against it, that you by your mercy will multiply their abilities to resist what is evil. We pray, O God, for safety for civilians. We pray for families, for the elderly, for the very young. Again, O God, we ask for a sense of peace. And as they look upward, we ask, O Lord, that they will know your help. We pray, O God, for those who have fled to the the western part of Ukraine. For those who will cross borders and need refugee status. Lord, not only that they will find uh, food and shelter but also a welcome and homes that they will be taken in and made to feel at home where they'll be living for a while. We pray, O God, for supplies into Ukraine food and medical supplies. We pray for uh, people returning to their homeland uh, to fight for their land. We pray for military aid and help. We pray too, O God, for a, a backbone in Western nations to stand up against what is evil going against Ukraine. We pray, O God, for the downfall of Vladimir Putin. We pray for a rising in the nation of Russia. Many of of its people abhorred at what has happened. We pray, O God, for additional sanction implications for Russia. We pray that they may be targeted against those with power and 
influence, who are supportive of the Kremlin. We pray too for the people of Russia, many of whom who just want to live in peace. We pray for those in the military in Russia, that those in authority might be questioning what they are called to do. And those soldiers who have little choice might have a sense of peace in their own hearts. Lord, our prayers are always inadequate. And Lord, we know that you know not only the end from the beginning, but you also know the prayers that we need to pray, prayers that you will answer in power and authority. And so, Lord, where we are lacking, where our knowledge is incomplete, where we just don't see what needs to happen, be pleased to answer those prayers to you. And Lord, we think too of our own church family here, those who are sick, those in need. We ask, O oh God, your hand in grace upon them. We pray for us as a congregation together that you will deepen our faith, encourage us in our walk with Jesus even as we come to your word, that by your spirit you'll help us to see and to understand more fully. Lord, but more than that, that in heart we'll willingly respond to you. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We join together as we sing the hymn number 302, I Want to Walk with Jesus Christ.
as you can see, I can't reach all the high notes. Um, it's lovely to uh, sing praise together. In heaven, we'll be able to hit all, hit all the notes. Um, even if you feel you can't sing, um, we'll be able to hit all the notes together. Friends, uh, I want to bring, uh, I suppose I want to say something at the very start of the sermon, which I will ask you to take careful note of, um, because I'm just making uh, a little point. Um, I'm not a frequenter of public houses. Uh, so just to let you know. Now you might ask, why am I, am I saying that? Because sometimes we read things in the scriptures and we don't really, uh, in a sense we read the words, but we don't take it in. If I had to start my sermon by telling you Friends, the first thing I want you to know is that I'm not drunk. If I started a sermon like that, you might think this doesn't bode well, does it? If he has to tell us that he's not drunk, what are we going to hear? Now, in Acts 2, at verse 14, we read, This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples in the upper room. Uh, They see what appears to be like uh, tongues of fire coming and then separating and resting on each of them. And these uneducated men begin to speak in other languages. And they go out into the streets in Jerusalem And they start to gossip the gospel in the languages of all the people who have gathered. It was a a Jew's hope in life. If they lived in other parts of of the, the, the Mediterranean world, that they came to Jerusalem at least once in their lifetime to celebrate the Passover. So Jerusalem was a throng with people every Passover. And this was uh, the end of the festival, beginning at Passover, ending seven weeks later in Pentecost. Passover, the beginning of harvest. Pentecost, the end of harvest, the fullness had come. Everything had been gathered in, a great celebration. So people were in the streets from all sorts of countries, speaking all sorts of languages. And the disciples go out and they begin to speak the gospel in the languages of all the people there, languages they had never learned. And what we read is this, verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Peter begins his sermon by telling the people, we are not drunk. What you see is what God has done. The promise through Joel is fulfilled. The Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And here in this sermon, Peter gives four truths that cannot be doubted. Four truths about the historical Jesus. Who he is, And what he has done. The beginning of our reading in verse 22. 
Peter begins by speaking, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Miracles, wonders, and signs. Jesus had fed the 5,000 on the shore of Galilee. People had come to him and had been brought to him with all sorts of sickness and illness and he had healed them all. He had spoken with authority. He had answered every question. This was not something that was done in secret. This was something that they themselves knew. They had either seen or heard of the miracles. This had been spoken about widely. And they were amazed at what had happened. So often we read in the gospel records. And the people were amazed. Because of what Jesus had done. And these signs pointed to who he was. A signpost always points to a destination. It shows the way. And the signs pointed to who Jesus was. So Peter begins by saying. We're not drunk. We've never been in more full control of who we are. This is done by the Spirit. You're hearing the gospel in your own language because God wants you to hear it in your own language. Wherever you've come from, listen. This is God speaking to you. You know Jesus. You know of his miracles. You know how he amazed the people. He gave you the signs as to who he was. But then Peter goes on. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Not only does Peter speak of the miracles and the wonders and the signs. But he speaks of the death of Jesus. That he was put to the cross. And whilst we might, if we were in that crowd, imagine, well, perhaps this is a judgment of God against this person to let something so terrible happen to him. We read in the middle of that verse, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Although it was Caiaphas and Pilate and the crowd and the Roman soldiers, it was God's purpose and his foreknowledge. He had ordained this to happen. That even in the, in the most wicked act this world has ever seen, God was surrounding that act with his sovereignty. And nothing happened to Jesus that the Father had not purposed. Not because of a rejection of his Son, but because of our need, because of our sin. And in taking our sin upon himself then, God chose to reject him because of us. And he died alone. Peter here speaks of the, the miracles and the wonders and the signs. He speaks of the death of Jesus. But he speaks of more than that. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because God cannot die. God did not die on the cross. Jesus is the Christ who came to earth. The Christ is the Son of God. The Messiah. The promised one. When he came to earth. Conceived of the Spirit, born of Mary, 
He was given the name Jesus. You shall call him Jesus. That's his earthly name. Because he is human. And why Jesus? Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So the Son of God comes to earth. The divine comes. But he comes in our flesh. And so the Christ is given the name Jesus. He is Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. But the Christ of eternity. God in our flesh. Now God cannot die. But in our flesh. He chose to die. In his humanity. Jesus died on the cross. And when he died. He was led in the tomb. But God himself the son was immediately with his father to return on that third day to the tomb, to enter into that corpse, to be brought to life again by the power of the Spirit, that he who is Son of God and Son of Man is forever Son of God and Son of Man. And so he appeared to his disciples, that same body but glorified, to appear in a room and to disappear, but yet to eat fish, Solid, spiritual, but gloriously transformed, incorruptible and unchanging. Peter, he says, the death could not hold him. And he uses a particular phrase, the agony of death. And it's, it's that the tomb then becomes the place of life. The exact opposite of what a tomb is. He was led in the tomb. But the tomb could not hold him. As Peter goes on in the sermon to quote from Psalm 16 verse 10. Where David the psalmist says, Lord you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your holy one see decay. David knew that God would not abandon him when he would die his physical death. He had faith in a life thereafter with God. They said, you will not let your Holy One see decay. The Holy One who would come would die, but would not remain in the tomb. He would come back to life again because death cannot hold God's Son. And having paid for sin, he had accomplished his work. And he takes back his life. Didn't Jesus say in his teaching, no one takes my life from me. I give it freely and I will take it back again. The Son of God made flesh forever. Having paid our price, death could not hold him. And he is raised never to die in humanity again. But Peter goes on to tell us a fourth thing, not only about the signs and miracles, not only about the death of Jesus, not only about his resurrection from the dead, but who he is. In verse 32, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He has ascended into heaven. Peter again quotes from the Psalms. It's Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Yahweh, God the Father, says to my Lord, not to David, but to the one he was going to send. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. He is made to sit at the right hand of the Father. Not only the miracles, not only his death, not only his resurrection, but his exaltation. 
to sit now at the right hand of the Father. And note what Peter says to the people. What he says would, would have... How, how, how do I describe it? There's the potential for um, uproar and objection to the message Peter preaches. Why? Because he accuses his hearers of being involved in the death of Jesus. We read in verse 23. The man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. And then in verse 36 he says it again. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now of all those people in Jerusalem, we read of 3,000 at the end of this chapter being converted, putting their faith in Jesus. So the thousands of people there, only a handful of them would have been involved like Caiaphas or those who were clamoring for Jesus' death, crucify him, crucify him. Not all the people. But Peter here brings everyone together. Everyone is responsible. Because everyone is sinful. Everyone has rejected God's perfect plan and purpose. We are all sinners. We are all rebels against God. And Jesus died for sinners like us. Sometimes I'm sure we hear when a preacher articulates the personal responsibility for, for sin. That there's that natural rejection in the heart. Who's he to talk to me like that? I'm a decent person. I remember my uh, minister in Belfast when I was a teenager. He, he was an assistant in Ballymena and he said that after one Sunday service a lady came out of the door and shook him by the hand and said, Mr. Taylor, I have never sinned. <laughs> she was uh, completely affronted by the thought that she was, what she meant was she hadn't robbed a bank or she hadn't <clears throat> done something that someone might think was terribly wrong. But failing to understand the nature of sin. In James 2 verse 10, we are taught that he who keeps the law in every part but yet breaks it in one place is guilty of breaking it all. It's like hanging on to a, a, a chained uh, rope, as it were. How many links must break before you fall? Just one. Just one sin keeps us from God. And here Peter tells the people, you're responsible. You're guilty. But listen to the response. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter tells them to repent and believe in Jesus. Doesn't that show the reality of the power of the Spirit? The people were confused that day. What are these drunk men talking about? Yet, we hear it in our own languages. Aren't these Galileans? How do they know how to speak to us? And then Peter says, no, we're not drunk. We're filled with the Spirit. God has done what he has promised. And we are bringing you the message of Jesus. You know about him, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. You know that he was put to death in this very city. Not more than a few weeks back. You know the tomb is empty. No one can take us to a tomb where he's laid. And he's risen. And he's exalted. 
And you need to get right with God through him. And so the people were cut to the heart. Isn't that what happens when the Spirit speaks? And people see their need. They don't look for excuses for their sin. They're cut to the heart. They acknowledge their sin. They repent. They turn right around. And they believe in Jesus. And they love him. Friend, is that your heart today? Or maybe you've trusted him in the past and you've gone a little bit cold. Let God cut your heart again. Remember what he did for you. And take that step of coming back to him. Wherever you are, Peter's message of long ago speaks to us all. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you for the vibrancy that the Spirit brings. Disciples of Jesus in the upper room, still fearful, but waiting. And you come in all your glory. They see the signs of the Spirit coming. They have new abilities. They're made bold and determined. And irrespective of the consequence to go out into the streets and to speak the word of Jesus. And Lord, how we bless you for that attendance of your spirit in so many hearts that day. That 3,000 souls still sing your praise. Even in heaven today. Lord, bless our hearts too. Make them ever tender and open. And if as yet we haven't trusted this Jesus, help us to acknowledge his miracles and wonders, his death on a cross for us, his resurrection from the dead to declare his victory. And now he's reigning at your right hand. And that we, through faith, have the privilege of speaking his name. And drawing near in faith. Perhaps, Lord, for some of us we've grown cold in our walk with you. And just by your spirit you're reminding us of the great cost it was to Jesus to set us free. Let our hearts burn within us. And let us make that road back to commitment and fellowship. Lord, perhaps you're calling us to be more outspoken in our witness and faith. To know too that by your spirit you will enable us for exactly what you want us to do. Give us courage to take our stand for Jesus. Hear our prayer for his name's sake. Amen. Friends, our closing praise is I have a shepherd.
let us pray. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all this day and evermore. Amen.